Father, we ask you, Lord, to just cover us with a mantle of expectation. Father, we are praying for and asking you to adorn and dress us in the spirit of Elijah mantle, that Holy Spirit custom-tailored mantle made for this hour and this time. Open our minds to wisdom and open our hearts, Father, to the passion. Holy Spirit, put the zeal of the Lord in us. And Father, let us be accounted by you as those who are not only qualified and equipped, but worthy, worthy by our hearts, worthy by our commitments, worthy by our lives to serve you in this most sacred hour, an hour of preparing, even as we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, guide us, Father. Take us through it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I have a whole bunch to uh, share and to go through, but for some reason, some of it did not print out, so Laura Lee, would you please go get my iPad, and uh, we'll use that as our key. We are going through on the seventh week of the eight weeks that the Lord had, I'm going to say, appointed, and that being for the revelation and understanding of the place of next and we've moved very quickly in that realm and in that understanding uh, and then he's been resetting us in many ways and in for many reasons and I believe tonight is part of that resetting and for us to to get some huge understanding as to what it is and how we are to proceed in under, in not only seeking him, but knowing who we are in the time we live in and what we're supposed to do. So we understand without rewriting it all and going through it that God has said that uh, he has already ordained us to be qualified and equipped. However, we are those that need to access that. We understand that the time we live in is a very, very peculiar and special time in all of the span of the redemptive plan of God. And that is literally that we are called into a time now of preparing to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Birth pangs have been raised in the body of Christ and in the world as Christ said they would. And we're not certain where we stand in that fulfillment of the coming of the Lord in that eschatological, that prophetic time clock but we certainly aren't at the first second. Um, we're somewhere further along. Uh, potentially, we could see ourselves, if the clock were going from 11 to 12 to strike, potentially right in the middle, somewhere there. Thank you. And that being said, um, by nature, we're those who want to rush. We want to rush in and get it all. So when the Lord began to show us the working of what was before us, he then paused us so that before we would enter in to all the promises to garner them in the rooms here on earth, 
that we would have a commitment and an understanding to better prepare ourselves, and not only to prepare it, but to be appreciative and ready to go into those realms and minister from those realms to here on earth. So uh, that being said, I'd like to just go over a little bit more of a prelude about the time we're in and where we're at. And then I'm going to ask, uh, I'm, I'm going to interrupt that for a moment and ask Patty to share with us uh, a vision that God had given her before this started and, and weave it back in. Because God always confirms things. And he does nothing but that he uh, prepares the word of the Lord through his prophets. There are disciplines that we are establishing as we prepare ourselves uh, as forerunners. And I'll discuss what it means to be forerunners tonight. And one of those disciplines is, is that uh, we are going to hold the prophetic word of God to a very strict accountability. And we're not going to follow the paths of the mainstream, and I'm calling it mainstream prophetic world that has evolved. And it's found its niche in our Christian body, and it's an appropriate place. The, 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 the five-fold ministry is appropriate. It's firm. It's foundational. And the apostolic and the prophetic are the way that God not only establishes but launches his moves and his errors in a season, so it's essential. However, um, it is fraught with a lot of fraud, and it's fraught with a lot of flesh, and it's fraught with a lot of ambition, personal ambition, and it's fraught with a lot of what I have coined as the business of the ministry. And good people, good people who have hearts for God, have found themselves to be catalysts and propagators, progenitors, if you will, of, of this fraud. And those who find themselves classified as such continue to put out false words that don't come true, and there's no accountability. We have to be those. And, and I'm going to write this down because it's so important. And we're going to keep a discipline record these are our disciplines. I was told that the, uh, I guess that this marker works the best. Disciplines. You know, there was a school of the prophets. How many of you know that there was a school of the prophets? And how many of you know that some of the key prophets established a discipleship program of the school of the prophets? And, and they would discern those gifted Young children usually, typically it was always men, unfortunately, um, that were seen to have a gift. And they would set them aside, and they would come under the tutelage of the prophet and then the teachers of the prophets. That's so that they would learn how to discern, first of all, the voice of God, the word of God, to separate themselves so that they were prepared for that, but to also be kept pure or at least taught the disciplines of what it means to be able to hear the voice of God and to operate appropriately in the time that God calls them. Unfortunately, we, we know we had the deviant in Baal, 
And the prophets of Baal, he spewed many of them. We know at least 400 of them or more. And they followed what is very fraught, as I say, in the body of Christ today, the business of the ministry, selling the prophetic gift. That's a no-no. So one of the disciplines is shun those who sell the prophetic gift. It's a harsh word, isn't it? It's a harsh word. Why? Because even if their intentions are good, even if we're not going to judge saved or not saved, but we are supposed to judge true or not true. We're required to do that. And when this is operating, what spirit is that? I already told you about it a little bit ago. That's that spirit. That's that spirit that prophesies for personal ambition and gain and money and fame. That's that spirit. It needs to be called out. I'm probably going to become less and less popular, and I'm okay with that because the Lord's not given me a choice. And we're finding out that that's what the prophets, if you really dig in and dig, if there's one thing that agitates the Lord, it's that spirit. And one of the first things he's dealing with, I'm not saying going to deal with, he's beginning to deal with it, is to expose that spirit and begin to remove those people. Trust my words and see what happens. I wish no harm on them, but it's that time that we're coming to because we're entering in to a most serious time to prepare the way. This is a distraction. This is a defection. This is a pollution. This is chaos. This is confusion. And it gives the wrong word at the wrong time. Now, I'm not going to throw out names, but someday I may. Just so you know, if you have a problem with that, St. Michael's is down the street. I understand. Because I have to. That's what I'm called to do. And because I don't want to do anything in the flesh and out of my own agitation, I will say this. Take account of those who gave a word for this Easter and Pentecost. There were multiples of them. Told you COVID was going to supernaturally disappear on Easter. I said, no, it wasn't. They said on Pentecost there was going to be a new dispensation of the Holy Spirit. I said, no, there isn't. And then, of course, one or two of them came and said, well, you weren't spiritual enough to get it. It happened. Oh, really? Really? That's witchcraft. So now witchcraft spews out to cover the spirit of Baal. 
Does that make sense? Who Jezebel call upon? So let's be wise. Why am I being hard? Because if you truly want to be a forerunner, this is a forerunner church. That's who we are. And I believe that's what you're called to be. And something is happening. I'm getting phone calls from people that are staying home from their church to watch us on Sunday. They're telling me, well, I, we, we, we just felt comfortable watching you. What they're saying is they don't want to be seen yet in here, but they want the message that's coming from here. Yeah. I had a general tell me today that he watched me on YouTube for five hours last night. I said, wow. And by the way, Dwayne, if you're watching, he said YouTube is putting commercials about every 10 or 15 minutes in my messages. Fix that somehow. Someone, it's, it's the business of the ministry. They're jacking me. I don't like it. We don't put commercials in. We don't sell what I have. Shame on them. So fix it somehow, son. I don't know how. So the Lord really inspired me and put it in my heart that we need, before we jump in, because here's what can happen. And, and, and I was so dangerously on the precipice of it. And I didn't know it until I knew it. That's why I can talk like this. Here's what happens. The gifts and calling, help me finish it, of God are what? He doesn't take them back. Once he's gifted them, and if you have a problem with that, you're going to have to ask him when you get there. Because sometimes I've said, Lord, wouldn't it be better if you stripped me or someone else of what you've given us so that we don't have this ability to do these things? Or... And he's quiet. He's God. I have my own feelings about why, but they're just feelings. So that doesn't mean just because there's gifts and callings that somebody is walking the straight and narrow path. And all too often, you find that the longer that people are operating in those gifts and callings without renewing, without regeneration, without humbling, without setting down, without taking the sabbaticals that are necessary to purge your system, and once they're in that system and you have to keep doing it and you can't miss that week's program and you can't miss that funding opportunity and you can't miss it, you're in that cycle of the business of the ministry and if you drop out, out of sight, out of mind, then it cuts off your donors. They gravitate and go somewhere else very quickly. So it's the selling of the gifts and the calling of God. And uh, it's not for another time. This isn't about me, but I was there. I was there. 1999, I was there. Last place I preached, over 100,000 people. 200, 200 documented miracles of healing of people with HIV. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miracles. Tens of thousands of people coming to the Lord, nationally televised all through Mexico. That was, I was there problem is I thought I was there but by the grace of God those disciplines and fear that he put in me as a 
young man coming out of the Jewish temple, knowing the fear of the Lord. He shook me. And I always said, Lord, always let me hear your voice. And no matter what, let me listen to you. Even if I wasn't listening to you. And I heard it. And he said, son, sit down. Stop. And you know the rest. Twelve years. And because of that, I didn't fall into these traps. Because of that, I watched them. And I was very close to many of them. Served some of them. I was in too many green rooms, too many back rooms. I saw too much. I heard too much. And now today I'm a voice that's speaking out. Repent. Prepare for the kingdom of God is at hand. My heart and passion is that all of you and whoever receives this get equipped and qualified and ready to become the champions of the forerunners that we need to be to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. This isn't for sissies. This isn't for mush pies. Yes, you love everybody, but you don't love them so much that you're afraid to say the word of God. No greater love did Jesus Christ have, but he called hypocrites hypocrites. And he called snakes snakes. And he called the religion of the time a false religion. And he called people to a baptism, to a new thing. And all of that was done. John the Baptist, a forerunner. Forerunner. That's why in Malachi, call it the spirit of Elijah. We're going to discern that for a moment. You had John the Baptist, and he predated the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. John the Baptist predated the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He had the spirit of Elijah. Jesus said, Elijah is coming, you knew him not. However, as God does things, he says there's another outpouring of the spirit of Elijah. But this time it's not contained to an individual. This time it's contained to an element that he calls the hot church. This time it's not one forerunner. It is a body of forerunners. And this is the way I look at it. And I'm going to write this down because I want this to be something that you meditate upon for yourself. And I think you might recall in the second week I made a comment to you in the third week about the rooms and the mansion here on earth, heaven on earth, and that the Lord was going to take us into those rooms and the master suites of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I commented to you, wouldn't it be wonderful when we discover our closets that already have these mantles waiting for us and um, this is how I described it. Custom. I want to get it exactly as I was writing it today. Tailored. Custom. Tailored. Spirit of Elijah. Suit. Both man and woman. 
a mantle. Stitched in the zeal of the Lord to prepare the way. I want you to let that soak into yourself for a moment. That's what, that's what God has prepared for you. That's what is waiting for you to be suited up into. And I don't believe you can imagine what a wonderful wardrobe this is. It's an amazing wardrobe. And we're going to ask him to continue to reveal to us this wardrobe. But I, I'm getting glimpses of all of the things that are stitched in that zeal of the Lord that we need in this hour. It's, it's a very, very peculiar anointing of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Lord shall give to those whom he will his gifts that he will, and the Holy Spirit will minister as he will. Well, there's a special outpouring. There's a special custom tailoring reserved for this hour with the zeal of the Lord stitching. That's a mantle prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Interesting thing about wardrobes you go in, you make a decision what you want to put on. And you either wear it or you don't. I believe that's what the Lord is telling us. It's all there. Are you going to put it on? Are we going to wear it? What is it? How does it fit? Stitched with the zeal of the Lord. Attributes. This is the next thing he showed me. Remember we had disciplines? Another discipline. Relentless passion. For the kingdom of God on earth, on earth, relentless passion for the kingdom of God on earth. Heaven will take care of itself. God doesn't need us to tell him how to put things in order in heaven. He doesn't need us to come into the courts of heaven and tell him what to do okay that's at this level we want to go to the highest level God wants us to declare the courts of heaven here on earth we're kings we're priests we're not beggars and we have the dominion the authority and the wardrobe to do it we have to go to another level Everything before this is steps to get to the place. So we have to be willing to break out of those mindsets. You don't throw them out. They're okay. You build upon it. You don't throw out the things that God has, 
used to build us upon. We're building upon the foundations that God has given us, right? On the firm foundation of the word, but with fresh revelation of who we are and what we're supposed to do. Willing to let it all go. Let anything go that holds us back from that as long as we maintain the foundations of our faith in the Word of God. Scripture, Romans 14, 17. I know Jeff will relate to this. It's a song he and I love to kick around and do once in a while. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. We need to understand that for us, what he's saying is you got to eat, you got to drink. Well, it depends on what you drink. But you got to eat and you got to drink. Right? He's not saying die. What he's saying is everything else is irrelevant for the kingdom of God. You pursue the kingdom of God and the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. One of the manifestations of a forerunner, of a forerunner, and we'll get back to that in a minute, one of the manifestations is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's a manifestation of it. If somebody's walking around miserable all the time, they're not operating in a forerunner spirit of the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. Right? If they're never at peace, they need to step into a different room and get right with God before you step out to go try to make other people right with God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Ghost. Jesus, John 18, 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. We are not conforming God's kingdom to this world, to a denomination, to a religious preference, to a movement past gone, right? Try and see how this works. Grab some youth in high school and put them through the doctrines of the Pentecostal movement. See how that works. They're going to look at you and say, nah, right? Because they have a different code. They've been designed and coded to respond to the message of this hour of the Elijah spirit of the kingdom of God. And we should not cut that short. And I'll explain that to you in a moment. We should realize that while that may not make religious sense, and it may not make Bible school sense, the sense of the hour is that this generation, whatever the age is, and it's easier with young than it is with old, is designed with a code to respond to the message of the hour.
to prepare the way for the kingdom of God. That's what they've been born into. That's what that generation was born into that received Christ when he was on earth. Some rejected him. But then afterwards, the church built, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God. So, we need to understand that this message to prepare the way is heaven sent for us to manifest on earth. We must have a passion and a zeal to manifest the message of the kingdom of God here on earth. Why? Because the king is coming for his kingdom. And we're the ones that have been sent as the forerunners. Um, I'm just going to give you a couple more scriptures. Matthew 4, 17. From that time that Jesus had exposed himself in the miracle, he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. We're to be preaching the kingdom of God. We'll get into that in a little bit. Revelation 11:15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. That is our triumphant victory call when that seventh trumpet blows. Between now and then were the forerunners to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Now, what happens when that seventh trumpet blows? I'm not going to tell you. There are some who will. I'm not certain. But I know the message will change because it changes right here. And the message says, now the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Now. Wow. We're the forerunners that lead up to that. We're the cheerleaders. We're the, we're the ones that instill the messages, that change the people, reform the families. The apostles in Acts 28, proclaiming the victory, 2831, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's what we need. That's what we need. I don't know what that was. Where did that come from? All right. I say, it wasn't me. I think I left my phone in there. You know, I was doing a uh, TCT program uh, from the studio up here live, and uh, I always check my phone and put it. I thought I did, but I didn't. So wouldn't you know, right while I'm in the program, the phone rings, and it's right there by the microphone. So it's like, so I picked it up, and I said, yes, sir, no, sir. Mr. President, I just don't have the time right now. Thank you, sir. And I put it down, and I just went going like nothing. 
I didn't say anything else. I don't know. I didn't take, they, they must have called TCT. I don't know what happened. What else could you do? All right, I'm going to move from that one. Uh, I have many, many scriptures on the kingdom, too many, um, about that. But I want to move into this. A forerunner. What is a forerunner? And it's important, you know, there's so much been said about our personal identities, right? But in some ways, when you're really committed to a good cause, the right cause of God, then your own personal agenda should become second to the cause, right? So you could have an identity, and you should know your identity in the Lord. You should know your gifts in the Lord. You should know your calling in the Lord. But you should also make a decision if all of that is subjected to the class called forerunner. Class called forerunner. A forerunner is one that precedes and indicates the approach of someone else. That's what a forerunner is. That's why John the Baptist is famously known as the forerunner to Jesus Christ. He precedes him and indicates the approach of another. So as forerunners in this time, we precede the second coming of our Lord. And we are telling of his approaching. That's what we do. We talk about it. We preach it. Just as the scripture said, we preach the gospel of Christ and the kingdom of God. That's what we preach. Not one and the other, but both. The gospel of Christ and the kingdom of God. Now, really, after Miles Monroe, the, the whole kingdom message has sort of dwindled, hasn't it? And I could say this, and I would embrace my brother when I see him in heaven, but Miles wasn't preaching the second coming. In fact, there's some evidence that he wasn't even sure of a second coming. So whatever reason, God took him, and that message stopped, because that message couldn't go on and say there wasn't a second coming. That's my opinion. You see, when your assignments are done, you're done. Or when we deviate from our assignments, we're done. And to whom much is given, much is required. If, if I deviate from what God has given me, I would expect not to be here very long by the mercy of God. So I don't foul up a lot of stuff. Same thing with you, right? Too much is given, much is required. You want a big closet with a lot of mantles, you better be willing to toe the line. It's a big requirement. And at the same time, don't be afraid of it. It's a wonderful thing of God. What a privilege. What a wonder to be able to minister the gifts and power and majesty and sovereignty and the supernatural wisdom and joy and grace of God and His love here on earth in these bodies that we have. It's amazing. It's God. So this forerunner is a prototype. 
A forerunner must be a prototype. of the one they precede. We have to be like Jesus. We need more of Jesus. We need more of the Father, more of the Son, more of the Holy Spirit. So, a forerunner. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20 certain interpretations, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Luke 1.17, it is he who, who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That is a foundational mandate of our call in this hour. Luke 1.17. And don't get confused about the spirit of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah for us is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's what Joel said would pour out and that young men would have dreams and people would have statements and the children would prophesy. That spirit is poured out. It poured out at Pentecost and there's a new outpouring that's anointing people to this day, right now. And yes, it's the Holy Spirit, but it's in a very special anointing called the Spirit of Elijah. The Spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. It's a special language between heaven and earth and God's family and His Father and our Father. Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You would do well to read those scriptures yourself. Pray them into your own spirit. And ask, how do I? participate to clear the way how do i make smooth in the desert a highway for our god let every valley be lifted up how do mountains be made low how is rugged terrain then the glory of the lord uh, malachi chapter 3 verse 1 behold i'm going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me and the lord whom you seek the lord whom you seek the lord whom you seek 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 discipline. Seek the Lord. There's a word in the Dutch. It's a command given to some of the most intense command dogs in the world. I had one. And it's called souk. Souk means to seek. When you give that dog that command, he will not stop until he finds what he is looking for. He will run himself to where his tongue is hanging out and he cannot breathe anymore. I put him once in a house in our neighborhood in Miami where we thought there was a shooting right down the street and some stuff. They were vacating the island. There was a robbery, a house robbery. And that house door was open right next to our house. So I didn't know if that, that whoever it was was in there. I just grabbed my dog, big dog, and I said, Suk, 
and I put them in there and closed the door. That dog went to every nook and cranny of that thing, and I heard them barking, and then finally I like, put them out the door, and, <laughs> and he didn't find anybody, because if he had, he would have been latched on to them. It was souk. The Lord isn't telling us to, to seek God with now I lay me down to sleep prayers. He's not telling us to seek God after we start to do what we want to do, and then we say, hey, Lord, what should I do? He's telling us to seek God in every step that we take. Now compare that to what we're witnessing a lot in the body of Christ today. How much leadership is taking a pause, a sabbatical, a rest to seek God? You're saying, Frank, you're being harsh and critical. I am because I don't see it. And those are my friends. And I'm talking to them just like I'm talking to you. They're listening. Maybe they'll quit. I don't know. Because if I really love them and I care, and I know this to be truth, then shame on me if I don't. If I don't, who will? Because the business of the ministry keeps on grinding. And the people that are in the business of the ministry, they can't dare stop. They can't get off the train. They just can't stop. Because when they do, they become insignificant. And then the business begins to dwindle. And unfortunately, the metric, the thermometer of success isn't seeking the Lord. It's all kind of other metrics. Seek. We have to have a discipline to really seek God. Seek God in our personal lives. Seek God in our prayer lives. Seek God as a body of Christ. Seek God as a church. I commend you, all of you. You're seeking God. You don't have to be here. You could walk out and say, he's crazy. I'm going to go to something else that itches my ears a little better. This stuff's a little too tough. We'll get to the itchy ear parts. But the Lord stopped us because he said, if we itch our ears too fast, we're going to put our focus on the wrong things. And sometimes the gifts of God can become our worst curse. I've seen it. Sometimes, some things for some people, you know, have you ever seen the athlete It just came real easy? I used to hate that guy. I used to work so hard. You know, you're an athlete. I used to work so hard just to get the play, just to get my moment. And then this guy, you know, he's frivolous, going out on Friday night before a game on Saturday, uh, and he just gets up there and just, you know, breaks the line and runs. And I'm thinking, this ain't right. But something strange happened with those guys. They didn't make it to the next level. Because they weren't disciplined. So we want to get to the next level. We don't want to just devour and, and waste the gifts that we have now because it's comfortable and easy. So that's why the Lord's putting us through some stuff before he opens all the doors to us. So I understand that. And so let's be patient and do it together because he's promised the fruit will be unbelievable. This is the one. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi 4, 5 through 6. This is very important. 
Behold, I am coming to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. The great and terrible day of the Lord has not been upon us yet, but it may not be far off. Certainly the birth pangs of it are here. Read Joel. Read Joel. If you read the first verse of Joel, it's like he's saying, oh my, the word of the Lord came to me and it's about to get crazy. I had the vision of that. I call it my early vision time in 1980. I didn't know what I was seeing, but I saw them running on the wall, jumping on the wall, crawling through the windows. I saw all the chaos and the confusion and running through. And now I realize that he was showing me that somehow in my lifetime that that was supposed to be a part of what I dealt with. I didn't realize it then. I found out what it attached to. I found a scripture that it attached to because I was a student of scripture, but I didn't have the revelation of it. But Malachi says, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore, listen to this, he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. I have more scriptures on Forerunner, but I want to save time now. I want to move down to this most important thing. Out of all that we see, besides, you know, Matthew 24 and Thessalonians and the prophetic word and revelation about the birth pains and the signs of these times of a falling away of people, good called evil, evil called good, darkness covering the earth, the spirit of lawlessness released, and it is released, <laughs> and a spirit of delusion released, and it is released. Out of all of this stuff, one of the things that the Lord is saying to us in the spirit of Elijah has to do with turning the hearts, turning hearts. It requires Elijah. Don't be fooled. You know, don't get into this comic book mantra that Elijah and Moses are going to come back draped in wool clothing, standing in front of the wall and screaming at people. Come on. Really? There's only one person coming back from heaven. That's Jesus Christ. All that other stuff is comic book stuff. So, Elijah, the Spirit, we know that's the Holy Spirit. We know through Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that the body of Christ is supposed to be doing this job. And our job, through the Holy Spirit, what it comes is to turn the hearts of the fathers to children and children to fathers. Somebody help me out. Doc Bing. What's that a definition of fathers and children and children's and fathers? Family. Thank you, sir. What is under complete attack here in this country today? Does any of us 
Are we too ashamed or too cowardice to call it the spirit of Antichrist? Oh my God, Jeff. What's working in the core of the Black Lives Matter movement is the spirit of Antichrist. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, I'm not trying to make friends. And it's, and it's working against the very cause that it says it's working for. I want to read you something. Here's what I call it. Consider the spirit of lawlessness, anarchists attacking the nuclear family, the family. Couched in the spirit of delusion of seemingly righteous causes. It's a seemingly righteous cause. Injustice. A man was murdered. That's terrible. A baby, one-year-old baby, was shot in the belly in a park playing with her African-American father crying. I, I cried with him this morning. I cried. He said, what kind of cause is this? Why is nobody crying out for my baby? Where's the protesters? I mean, forgive me, I don't really care about those two attorneys and where were they? Seattle, St. Louis or something had their guns and they're asking for help. And I, they'll, You know, they'll be just fine. They don't need my help. But that father needs my help. That father's crying out because there's a cause that's not a cause. And it's, it's a spiritual cause. And I can't, and you and I, we can't be those that directly influence legislation. We can't indirectly, but we can be those who have a lot of power from heaven to earth. And we need to dismantle and expose that spirit. Because... And I want you to understand this. All that other wonderful Pentecostal stuff. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a charismatic. I'm a Protestant. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Jew. I've been there. I've been all those things. I'm not dis... I'm not dis I, I love the Catholics. I love the Jews. I love the Protestants. I, I love the Pentecostal. I love the charismatic. I've been in the primitive church. I've been in the Baptist church. I love them all. I love them all. But we have been anointed and appointed, and now we're being activated for this time. And in this time, we are those who have this anointing of the Spirit to turn hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. And anything that is against the nuclear family and fatherhood is against the coming of the Lord. I don't care what they say. They could tell me they're Christians. But if you're killing babies and you're against the nuclear family, then God help you. You're not my Christian brother. You understand? We use that term too lightly. That's my brother. Why? Well, they say they're a Christian. Really? The devil will tell you he's a Christian too if you want to believe him. He's saying, Frank, you're getting harsh again. Yes, I am. Because I know this spirit. I know this spirit that is against this cause of God. And I know this cause of God is the one that he showed me, and it's the one that I wrote a song about. Actually, I took one of my songs off of my album with Warner Brothers, and I got a choir, and I put them together of children in Miami, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. I knew then that that was the clarion call of this hour and this time, but little did I know how bad it would get. It was bad then, but nowhere near as bad as now. So we understand that preceding 
the great and dread, dreadful day that we hear about, the Holy Spirit is going to gush forth, and He is now, the Spirit of Elijah, turning the Father's hearts to their children for a healthy family dynamic to be restored. Now, that would be utopian if we could believe that was going to happen all through this country, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, it's not. But, here's what he says in his scriptures. The same ones. He says that if he doesn't see the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children of the fathers, then he will send a curse. That's the word of God. So I cried out about that, Jeff. I cried out to God. I said, Lord, that's not fair. I'm, t- I'm coming to you, Father, as a shepherd of a house. I'm going to preach the truth to my people. And, and I'm going to encourage them and equip them and bless them. And anyone who listen to me to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the family dynamic. And, and Father, we need help to heal our families and to help other families to heal. We know we're imperfect, but by God, we're not going to abdicate what we have. We need your help. So, Father, that's not fair. And here's what the Lord said to me. Malachi, chapter 1, verse 4. Cities are going to be desolate all over the earth. They are. They may build a wall, but I will throw it down. But then I said, but Lord, you're a kingdom builder. You've called us to build kingdoms, so it doesn't fit with us to tear down walls to tear down cities. The two are, it's an oxymoron. I don't get it. I don't understand it. He says, no, son, you don't understand. He said, I didn't say I was going to do wholesale on the earth. He said, I will judge those that are to be judged in the cities that they're to be judged. He said, and when the time comes, I want you to yell it to the mountaintops for people to get out of certain areas. Because I will do what I said. I will destroy areas. I said, my God, are we ready for that? Do you understand? Are we ready for that? Is there a precedent for that? Is there a precedent for that? Is God's word true? Is he going to curse areas? Huh? And so, and so this is what his end time army of forerunners is being commissioned to do. And, and, and we don't really know how to do it well yet, do we? We don't know how to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers of the children. So what should we be seeking? How do we do this, Lord? How do we put tires on the vehicle? How do we put wheels on it? Sounds good. It's a great song. These are the days of Elijah. I love it. I play it. Wonderful time. Great anointing. How do we put wheels on the car? He's going to show us. And I have a feeling we're going to pay a price for it. I really do. And so we need to start getting prepared to say, okay, Lord, when I understand, I'll pay the price. You might have to stand in front of a school board and say, I can't teach that. I can't teach that. They may say, well, there's no place here for you. And you have to say, okay. They may tell you in a business that you have to do this. You say, I can't do that. They may have to tell you that 
children or your grandchildren need to be subjected to untruths. And you have to say no. I don't know. It's just about here, isn't it? Jeff says it's here. So he's anointing the forerunners and unleashing the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Elijah, especially fit, custom-tailored for each and every one of us with the peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Ghost to build the kingdom, not intent to destroy it, but to construct it. And so the father and his family is by his spirit through the voice and actions of his family is taking us back to the true bedrock of the heart of the father. And that's a family. E.W. Kenyon wrote a tremendous book called The Father and His Family. And he said the whole reason that Jesus Christ came was to give back a family to his father. So the heart of the father is family. We understand that. The heart of the father is family. Children. God wanted children. That's why he wanted us back. The devil stole his children. The devil stealing our children. And now there are causes stealing our fathers. No fathers, no children. Orphans. Orphans. It could be a regional curse, an area curse, a city curse, but it's a curse. And beloved, (laughs) it might have been hard to preach this message in 1970 or 80, even with riots and stuff burning, I mean, as bad as it got. But it's not hard now. The manifestation of the curse of the degradation of family is becoming very acute to us. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Chicago. Cursed. (laughs) Well, that's harsh, Frank. Yeah, it's cursed. It needs a curse lifted off of it. And the leadership that's there is not capable of it because they're part of the curse. And we could go on. Areas of San Francisco aren't fit. I mean, we we go to third world countries and see places that are kept better than that. Chicago, one of the most violent war zones in the so-called civilized democratic world. Name another one that's that bad. 20 people killed this last weekend, 16 the weekend before, 60 were shot down one way or another in gunfights, a one-year-old child, a 10-year-old child. It's bad. It's a curse. And the answer isn't politics. The answer is the curse needs to be lifted. There needs to be repentance. And it's one of those cities that is destroying itself. Let me read you a mission statement from an organization. We practice empathy. We engage comrades. Words sound familiar? With the intent to learn about and connect with their contexts. I don't know what that means. I'm going to connect with my context. Sounds good, but it has no meaning. We make our spaces family-friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts. We dismantle the patriarchal practice 
to make mothers to work double shifts so they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Notice no mention of fathers. Comrades, no mentions of fathers. We come to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. No mention of fathers. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all the world are heterosexual, unless they disclose otherwise. We cultivate an intergenerational and communal network flee from ageism. We believe that all people, regardless of age, show up with the capacity to lead and to learn. Do you know who that is? That's Black Lives Matter. And I see white people with their children, meaning well, teaching their children this garbage. And they have no, they think they're serving a cause and they're disserving the very same people that they have a heart for. You know who's speaking out the loudest against it right now? Black African American people. I heard a lady today, man, I don't want to say the word she said, a grandma who lost that one-year-old baby. She told him right where to go. No nonsense. She went on and she said, this is BS. Are we afraid to speak out? It's not so much speaking out against a cause, it's speaking out against the Spirit. It's stripping the Father, attacking the Father. Why? To get in the way of the coming back of the Lord is what the ultimate spirit is working against. A lot of people, well-intended, it's a cause. You wrap it up in a nice gift wrapping of delusion and you serve it. The cause needs to be preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. There's only one healing. And we need to be that voice. And whatever cause gets in the way of that, we need to name it and not be afraid of it. And we have to silence those voices that tell us we don't mix social or political with the gospel of Christ. Really? We just roll over to it? Just hand this country over to a fatherless socialist group? And then say, well, you, th- you hope they allow us to still let our choirs sing in church, but probably not because you could get COVID. But it's, it's okay to go out and protest against the nuclear family, and that's okay. That's a cause worth paying the price for. Really? How much more is it going to take for the church to stand up? I'm hoping, I want to see if my brothers and sisters out in California say, we're having church. We didn't see it last time. Not a popular message, beloved, forerunners. Does the end justify the means? 
Does the end justify the means? Lawlessness, I could go on and on, sort of gut. But you know what? I'm not regretting what I'm releasing here. I walked away a long time ago from the business of the ministry, and it feels good. I have no chains on me. But this I know. There's a solid, passionate, zealous body of Christ that's waiting to awaken. I know this. I know we're part of it. And I know this is the hour. And I know this is the time. I know Jesus is coming again, and I know he's coming soon. I believe in this generation. And I believe that it's going to get worse. Not better. And all the talk of peace is just more delusion, and then comes destruction. So, Go and read the first three verses of Joel. Makes another statement for the family unit. Time to prioritize fathers and mothers, children of God, grandchildren of God. This is something that really jumped out at me as I was praying about it. See what it says? Hear this. Go back to the first one. Uh, Hear this, you elders, that's us. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. We're supposed to be now raising our children, our grandchildren, and the children and the children up with this expectation so that it doesn't come upon them and scare them and they lose their courage. And that they understand spiritually what's happening. Because they're not going to get it anywhere else. This is what I got as I was writing and praying today. Our children, my children, my grandchildren. I want them to see themselves in the Bible in this time and place. For me, that's how I can help to strengthen my family unit. Whether they accept what I say or don't accept what I say, I want them to hear it. I'm going to write it to them. I'm going to say it to them. I'm going to tell them as the father, the patriarch of this family, I'm going to tell them who they are and their place in this end time story. It's a looking glass. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory even as from the Lord the Spirit. Got to look in that mirror. Transformed from a glory to a glory. So the anointed family apparently plays a foundational role in a bedrock in God's plan. That's his word. 
And when we see that and accept that, it becomes so clear to us what's under siege and why it's under siege. And should we expect less? No, we'll expect more. We need wisdom. We need understanding. We need to know how to put action behind that. And then we need to dare to do it. We may stumble and bumble a little bit, but we'll get there. John the Baptist, he wasn't always 100%. He had to ask, is this really it? Are you really the one? I mean, after all of this, and I'm about ready to get my head cut off, are you the one? So we understand that comes with who we are, comes with what we are, but it's what we're to do. I believe further now than any time before that the healthiest communities to be able to sustain in this period are those that are filled with relationships of family. And that are able to not only lean upon each other, but get filled with the understanding, the hope, the support, the courage, the resources, the wisdom to be fully alive in God at this time. That's how we need to pray. Listen, I don't think there's anybody I know that has a child or children or grandchildren or a brother or a sister that doesn't say there's a rupture in the family relationship. I I can't think of one. I can't think of one. But that's, there's an anointing from God right now to restore that. I feel the Holy Spirit all over me. There's a special anointing from God in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Wow. I want to tap into it. I want to put that mantle on. I'm I'm a little hesitant because I don't know. It's not because I'm afraid of what to expect. It's just like, I don't know. You don't want to become the ever-ready bunny and all of a sudden you are charged up and you're bouncing off of walls and you don't know where to go. I think it's better to do it with some understanding, some wisdom, some expectation, but he's God. When he says, go, we go. We're in a very, very tenuous place. I think there's going to be an eruption. Things are going to go a little too far and people are going to begin to push back. We need to be able to help lead people and teach people the right way as the times come. Not the wrong way. All of the fruits of the Spirit, the love of Christ. But we also need to be courageous and strong. And we need to be able to discern the spirits and call the spirits what they were and what they are. Because it just might be that word that opens somebody's eyes 
And the other thing is that if we don't strike down that spirit, it's just going to grow stronger. If we don't, who will? Politics isn't going to solve it. And legislate or unlegislate, do all the stuff you want in the world, there'll just be another one coming. So where does this leave us tonight? I think some more introspection. First of all, you have to decide and desire, do you believe this is this time? If you don't, then it's just foolishness for you. You see, if you haven't, if you haven't gotten it, I have no doubt in my mind the time we're in and who I am and what I'm supposed to do in the time that I'm in. I have no doubt. And I already know it comes with a cost. That, that's a foregone conclusion to me. I challenge you. I'm not saying we all pay the same price, but I challenge you, you know. Is this the time? What time are we in? What's your expectation? What do you see? Who are you in this time? What are you willing to do? What cost will you count? Leaving it on an up note, how many of you would say if you were given the chance, you wouldn't have wanted to have been Mary, the mother of God, women? Hmm? You're saying you wouldn't? Okay, my wife says she wouldn't. I don't know. It's a price, isn't it? How many of you would say you wouldn't have wanted to have been men, one of the apostles? How many of you have said, wives, I don't want my husband to leave and follow this guy, this Jesus, for a couple years? How are we going to live? Some questions, isn't it? Now, we live in a different time. We live in a different way. Our sacrifices aren't the same, but they're there. But it's, it's probably, I think, beyond doubt, maybe it's just because I feel it with a swell tide every day, the most exciting time to be alive and know Christ that there is. Because he's promised to use you to do great things for him. And I don't think I'm looking at one face here. I can't see you online that really doesn't want to do great things for Christ. I mean, let's face it, it feels good. It does good. Nothing's greater than when somebody gets healed when you pray for them. I mean, you just, that moment is just like, wow, Jesus, yes, Lord. Or when somebody gets delivered or family gets restored or people are getting married or lives come together. Sins are washed away and someone's baptized into eternal life. I mean, wow, it's nothing better. But now there's a caveat. The Lord says, preach my gospel and be a messenger for the kingdom of God to prepare the way. So I think that's why we're going through this preparation time. I don't think, I don't think I'm ready to prepare the way because I'm not fully understanding how to yet.
but I don't think it's going to take a long time. So I'm, I'm honest enough to say, preparing to prepare the way. And maybe some of the things I perceive today, six months from now, won't be as glimmering. Maybe the Lord will shift them. I don't know. I'm just pouring my heart out and being honest. And I talked to some serious people that I trust. One man today that I spoke to, I really appreciated him for what he said. He said, I was on about this path and I was so busy and I didn't even, I didn't even share with him what I was thinking or what I was teaching. He said, I was so busy and, and then it's just all of a sudden the Lord just shut me down and locked me up. He said, and I know it's time for me to seek God and hear what I'm supposed to do now. He said, what do you think? Have you got a word from the Lord? I said, whoa, you just preached my message tonight. And that's why I knew that I knew what I knew was right because I really trust this man. I really trust him. I said, yeah, you're in the right place. I said, all I could say, the only word I have for you is, are you willing to really be changed when you come out of being locked up? Being locked up, he means he's just withdrawn, taking himself out of the day-to-day busy stuff until he hears from the Lord. I said, because if you go in wanting to hold on to stuff, you're probably going to have friction. But if you're willing to go in and say, Lord, whatever, I said, you're going to come out really good. Really good. Uh, Psalm 32, verse 8. Um, it's a good one, especially when we're seeking God. It said, I will, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's a good word. And, uh, and then a little caution. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. So... Uh, I think that, in a way, it's humorous. You know, don't be like the, the, the mule or the horse that needs a bridle for God to pull us where we need to go. Uh, but he said he will instruct us and teach us in the way we should go. And, you know, that's for us personal, each one of us personal. Lord, show me the way. Show me what's right. Let me discern it. And then, and then as a community and a body of Christ, that's, it's very important. Jeremiah 33.3, uh, we sing that song here. Uh, but it's a good one. Um, I'm going to let you turn to it, Ralph. Yeah, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Seeking God again, calling him to show us these great and mighty things with an honest heart. We don't know. Um, we don't know what these things are. We're, we're not sure in this place of next exactly uh, what the arsenal is, what you want to do. Uh, Daniel 11.32 I only have uh, two more scriptures. Daniel 11:32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. This is talking about the spirit of the Antichrist. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So we have a promise from God. If we know our God and, and we seek our God, then we're not going to be those that fall to delusion, we're going to understand the difference uh, between the flattery. Interesting he used that word flattery. 
right? It helps us to further discern the times. And then Joshua 1.9, which is a, a foundational scripture for me. Uh, and again, we talked about this when we were, remember when the Lord stopped us and he was talking about entering into the promised land and the, and the 12 spies that went in and they, they couldn't discern and see the blessing that was there and instead. Um, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Um, so lest I leave you feeling, never want you to feel depressed, forgive me, we just rebuke that spirit, or feeling like it's too big of a mountain to climb, I'd rather you look at it this way, and that is that uh, you're a mountain climber, and um, you've already been equipped to, to get this mountain, and once you've done this one, God will give you another one, and you don't have anything to fear. You're fully ready to go, um, and, and that you're, a, you're a, an awesome force in the kingdom of God, an awesome force. And as we consider that we're going to learn more about that place that we're in and what we have uh, and enter these rooms for God to, to fellowship with us and teach us and show us as we're going to go here on earth, that we realize that it's to make us stronger and to equip us. And, and if you will, and it's okay to say it, to make you invincible in the Lord. The devil doesn't want you to believe you can be invincible in the Lord, but you already are. You're a powerful, powerful, powerful spirit of God in you. Uh, and it's tailored now with that special Holy, Holy Spirit anointing of the Elijah anointing to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's who you are, if you want to be, if you accept it. Amen.